This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's, it's good. Randall gets the bounce. And he ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. All right, what's happening everybody? I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Episode 286 of the podcast tonight. Now, usually we're doing every two games, but I had not looked at the schedule the last episode I released and had realized that it's Thanksgiving, so we're off two days, then we've got it back-to-back. So I figured we'd end the uh, two-day break with one more podcast episode recap this most recent game against the Lakers and then it actually fits because we'll just go back to a normal every two games with the back-to-back for back-to-backs I'm going to try and have you know keep the episodes after a back-to-back you know if, if there's like a a game on a Wednesday and that's the second game of a set but there's also a game on Thursday I'll just wait for Thursday and like recap the three of them or I'll do it you know I'm going to try to organize it where I can recap it back to back in a situation like this you know so in this case I won't have to split up the Suns game on Friday with the one on Sunday it won't be Lakers Suns instead I'll do this Lakers game and then we'll have another one after the Suns and then the, the game after that that'll be the next episode 287 I don't think anything I said just made sense to any of you, but normally we're every two games, but in this case, since we've got a back-to-back coming up. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm just thinking out loud right now. That's all that was, so ignore all that. Not like anybody listens to this, so the schedule of the podcast does not matter. Checking out the... um. Boston Celtics New Jersey Nets game right now on ESPN it's the only time I'm tuning in to ESPN is when there's a game on it try tuning into ESPN for uh, the Lakers game last weekend literally the pregame getting political being ESPCN again talking about the case with that kid it's like the reason I watch sports is is for a distraction from things like politics. It's insane. But um it's a blowout right now. The Nets are blowing out the Celtics. Whatever. I'm just I'm watching for my couple of parlays that I've got. Keeping tabs on on my two parlays. But apparently it's too difficult for guys like Harden, KD and, and Tatum to score 20. Last I checked, they were in single digits mid-third quarter. It's about to be the fourth, so maybe things have changed. I'm sure there's going to be some nice promos and boosts and bonuses on the betting apps for tomorrow's Thanksgiving games, uh, football-wise. Because I think the NBA usually takes a break on Thanksgiving. Um, Welcome to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, episode 286 of the podcast. Recapping the Knicks-Lakers game in this in this one. Um, wow, Suns won again. So the Suns, one sec, drop my phone. The Suns are... Really, the only team rivaling the uh, the Warriors right now in the West. 
There's something else. But I don't know. The Warriors, I just feel like they're a step ahead. Because they've got Steph. And Steph is just otherworldly. Literally, that's probably the best way to describe Steph Curry is otherworldly. Other freaking worldly. Otherworldly. I mean, he does shit that nobody else is going to do or does. Um, and, you know, they've got a good supporting cast. It's different than a few years ago. But they've got a good supporting cast. And, and then Clay Thompson's coming back sometime soon, I would like to think. It's going to be different. You know, it might, it might not... It might take him a bit to get into the rhythm of things. Obviously, he's been out for two years, basically. But, um... No, yeah, he has been out for two years. But we'll see. But we will see. But I like the Warriors... And then I like the Suns after them. Anybody else after that, it doesn't scare me in the West. I feel like those are the two teams who are going to be going at it deep into the playoffs. The Lakers sure shit don't scare me. And Reggie Miller was kind of ripping on them last night. So let's get to it. Let's let's talk a little Knicks-Lakers last night at the Garden um, when we get back from break. Stay with us. Hey guys, so real briefly, before we get deeper into the episode, I realized that on YouTube, only 51% of you who watch BD4 are subscribed. So we should try and change that to make my channel grow, to get the podcast even bigger. So be sure to subscribe to BD4 on YouTube if you haven't yet. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Friday is going to be a hell of a game for the Knicks. Suns don't lose. Literally, they don't lose. They're on like 14 in a row right now. Um, but um, Knicks-Lakers, this one was interesting. <laughs> the Knicks pulled out the win. They pulled out the 106-100 to victory. Outlasting the Lakers after 48 minutes of ball. Yeah, man. It was... Uh, I'm happy they won. Um, obviously, for the Lakers, no Mr. China. LeBron James sitting out with the suspension. Um, that thing was whole. That the whole thing was nuts. By the way, I was watching some. Of, I only saw like the highlights they were showing on Sports Center, uh, flipping through the channels, and I saw the highlights come on, and I was like, "Whoa!" Um, that was crazy. But yeah, serving his suspension rightfully. And um, Anthony Davis apparently under the weather. Um, and then the Knicks without guys like Derrick Rose. I think it was his ankle. Also without, obviously, Mitchell Robinson in concussion protocol. And then Taj Gibson still out. Carmelo Anthony made his uh, another one of his returns to the Garden. He gets a lot of love when he comes back here, man. The crowd stands to give him the standing O. And I'm, you know, listen. I love Melo. It's a little odd for a guy who never really won here and just did a lot of losing after his first couple of seasons here. But I get it. You know, he didn't have the greatest of teams. But for me, I love the love. I love that he gets... It's very emotional for me because Carmelo Anthony is the guy that really brought me into the game. Now, as a kid, I, I watched a lot of the New Jersey Nets games. You know, I put that out there a while ago, so, you know, I get it. But I never became a legitimate fan of a specific team until I started watching the Knicks back in 2011, 2012. Um, I've told this story a couple times before in the podcast, but I hopped on the Knicks train, or, or they really started getting my attention during, I was on a, like a ski trip with my family in February of 2011 or 2012. 
that was during the Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity era. I was at some ski resort in New York. We were at a bar. There was a, a kids area, or, you know, there was an area where you can eat and your children were allowed to, to sit and there was a pool table and there's a TV there and we were just watching the Knicks. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. Jeremy Lin was going off. And then from there, I uh, took notice of the Knicks. And I don't think I watched the remainder of the season. But the next year, the season after that, 2012-2013, I kind of said, all right, let me try this Knicks thing again. Let me try sticking with it. And that's when I kind of started falling in love with Carmelo Anthony because he was the guy there. That was the year he broke out for the scoring title. And ever since then, I became a diehard Knicks fan because of Carmelo Anthony. He was just, I was obsessed with him. So he made me, you know, Lynn brought me into the Knicks. Melo made me stay, if that makes sense. So that's why whenever he comes back to the Garden, I get emotional, man. He's just, he's my favorite player ever. He was the guy that got me into them. Or got me, you know, that maintained my interest. So he got the ovation. He checked in late first quarter. Um, and yeah, it was cool. But um, as for the game, let's get back to the game. It started off brilliantly for the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks were on fire to start this one off, if we're being really honest. Um, I mean, guys were just clicking. The starting team, too. The starting team looked really good for a change. Very sharp. A 10 nothing run. kind of crashed there. Um, but like I said, Nick started hot. 10 nothing run. Um, guys were just going. Ball was moving around. There was a lot of off-ball player movement. R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, hitting three-pointers. R.J. canned one in Anthony Davis's face to make it 21-7 at one point in the first even Julius Randle had it going. He was mixing it up too, scoring on all three levels. After one, the Knicks had shot 60% from the field, 54% from three. So that provided a lot of great spacing for Randle to operate. Playing great transition basketball. Great to see them running. Um, in an early second quarter, obviously you have that Emmanuel quickly alley-oop from half court to Obi Toppin. Alec Burks converting that and one floater in the lane mid-second quarter. That put the Knicks up 25 points. Meanwhile, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook just chucking up bricks in the first half, didn't do much production off, didn't give much production offensively in the first half, most of the first half. As the second quarter comes to an end, the Lakers start making their comeback. And this is where it gets really embarrassing. From like, it bridged from like the second quarter to the third quarter. The Lakers go on this ridiculous 24-2 run. Yeah. They start throwing the 2-3 at the Knicks. And whenever teams throw the zone at us, we just get lost. We get stagnant. It slows us down. We start throwing up horrible looks. And that we did. Um, Westbrook just grabbing those rebounds off our bricks, controlling the game and doing his thing, pushing the tempo. Goes coast to coast, finishes himself a few times. In the third quarter, he hits up Anthony Davis with that outlet pass. Then on that 3v3 break, makes it a three-point game to AD. Later finds Carmelo for that dunk which ties the game for the first time at 79, late third quarter. Then, the Knicks' second unit comes in, and like we always see, they usually pick it up and regain that intensity. The garden starts to get loud again because the second unit propels us and cleans up the mess that the starting unit had made, mostly the starting unit, in that third, late second quarter you know, mid-third quarter. But the second unit comes in. Obi Toppin throws out a pair of dunks late third, early fourth, off of a couple of baseline cuts. 
Toppin hits an elbow jumper assisted from Emmanuel Quickly, who just minutes prior gets an assist from Ovi from three. Quickly hits one. Quickly goes for 12 points of his 14 in the fourth quarter. Burke starts going. Um, but Quickly just on fire. He hits four triples in a row without missing in like the first half of the entire fourth quarter. He's just scoring in bunches here after being quiet for the majority of the game. It's one thing he and Burks need to work on is, is I know they're more streak scorers, especially quickly, but being consistent throughout a game. But it was working here. The Lakers start missing shots. The Knicks, though, leaving Carmelo Anthony wide open in the fourth quarter. I mean, they got to be better on their closeouts. This game, some pretty poor defense late. Wasn't great. But Melo doing mellow things when he's cold, he's very cold, right? When he's hot, he's hitting a shot. You could be up in his grill or not. He's hitting it. But when he's cold, you can leave him 25 feet open. He's going to miss it. And so the Knicks did that. And Melo, you know, I think it was 3 for 14 on the night. Missing, missing, missing from three. And that helped us seal the deal. Knicks never trailed in this one. To me, that was key. To me, that was key. Never letting the Lakers actually take a lead. Because if that would have happened, I feel like the Knicks would have kind of just played dejected. And they would have let that affect them. And it could have spiraled out of control. But they didn't. They stayed confident, composed. And they were very competitive. Once they let their foot off the pedal, they kind of got their shit together and they finished it out. A fantastic effort from the bench, who were a plus 34 on the night. A plus 34 from the second unit. We'll get to that all. Gonna take a break one more time. Well, not one more time. I'd be lying to you. We're going to take another break. Quick plug. When we get back, we'll talk more about the second unit. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks. All right. That was a, yeah, it was a hell of an effort. I think you have to start with Emmanuel quickly. Just because of how effective he was. He's got, he ended with, uh, like I said, 14 points. Four of eight from three-point distance. Does this in 22 minutes. Afro quickly, mop head quickly, call it whatever you want. Need it more. And he's been giving it to us consistently. You know, he had that slow start the first eight games or so. He's been up, he was up and down. Majority of them were poor shooting games, but he's been pretty damn hot after that. He's turned his season around. Um, and he got off to a slow start as a rookie, too, I remember. But, um, and that was, that was kind of one of the things that. Wally and Alan Hahn were arguing about a few weeks ago how like they don't want his slow starts to become a thing to where we just accept it and I agree but he is kind of a streak shooter in games over the span of days weeks games you know quarters that's how he is that's how he's been so far I don't know if he was like that at Kentucky but he seems like he's going he's that guy we'll see but hey, he's young. Hopefully he can kind of find that consistency more often. And um, he was great. Loved the late offense. He picked it up and became a force. And he played solid defense too. He played solid defense. 
He made good rotations. He kept his man in front of him. Um, but of course, just the, the three-point buckets. Love how he comes around those screens and immediately pops it. As soon as he, as soon as he makes that curl, he's popping it. He doesn't wait. Curls around the screen, he's throwing it up. Very tight. He's just such an energizer in Madison Square Garden. I would love to see his home splits. Because he just, he he's so fun to watch when he's hot at MSG. It's time for him to see some minutes over Kemba. I mean, he's already getting more minutes than Kemba. But I'm saying it's time for him. I would like to see what he looks like in a starting lineup. I would. I don't know that he's ready. But I can certainly say that he's more ready than Kemba is. I can certainly say that he does... What does Kemba Walker do? That Emmanuel quickly doesn't do just as good, if not better. That's the best way to put it. Um, And I was doing a little digging. So far, quickly, his, it's a small sample, but 10 games with at least 27 minutes in his career. Nine of those 10 games, he scored in double figures. Eight of those 10 games have been 15-plus point games. Seven of those 10 games were 20-plus point games. And you really look at all 10 of those games, just one of those games were bad, or a clunker, where he went one for 10, and I remember that game. So he's been really producing when he gets the minutes. So I would consider it eventually, man. Because Kemba Walker, we'll talk about him a little bit more later on, hasn't been doing it. I didn't expect him to be Charlotte Hornets' Kemba Walker. Did not expect 20 points tonight. But I was saying, could he consistently give us 12 to 16 a night? He's not exactly been doing that. A lot of single-digit outings in the points department. And the defense, you know, when he's scoring single-digit points, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, you know, help you ignore the defense, which is horrible. He's a terribly poor defender. So I would like to see quickly get some minutes. He works great in pick and roll. Whenever he's on the floor, the Knicks play fast. They're loud. They're exciting. The ball moves. He has his flaws, right? He does some stupid, nonsensical chucking at times. Those heat checks, he does it at least once a game. But I just think the Knicks are better when Quickly's on the floor. Obi Toppin, you know, 12 points, 6 for 11, 4 rebounds, a steal. A block does this in 22 minutes. Played some small forward. Can't mention quickly without Obi. Those two work together like like bread and butter. His athleticism is so special, man. His speed. He killed it on the baseline last night. Cutting hard. Cutting in from the short corner. Those dunker spots. Consistently cutting from the baseline. Just from in the corners. Doing his thing. And then throwing down dunks. Finishing. Continuing to play well off the ball. Which helped when the Lakers won zone too. You saw whenever they threw the zone at us. He, he, you know, Obi is... Consistently moving, finding empty pockets to cut to and receive passes from. That's one of the advantages of when they throw a zone at us that we need to keep taking advantage of. It's one of the holes in the zone defense. There was that one play. I think it was uh, was in the third quarter. He was left wide open with 20 seconds left or something. He had Randall from like the right elbow or the left elbow getting doubled with Dwight and Russ up front that left Obi wide open in the dunker spot Randall hits him up and it's a dunk 
Um, hopefully you can't hear the freaking dogs outside right now. I'm really praying you can't. I don't think the mic's going to pick that up. Obi's displaying a lot this year that that hasn't that he didn't really show any of us in his rookie season. He's rebounding better. Obviously, he's scoring better. He's always been an efficient scorer on the inside. The defense has been better. His positioning is great. His movement, his physicality is better. He's making the extra skip pass. I mean, he's playing really, really good in a lot of aspects of the game. He's just been such a great transition scorer. He brings that to a team that really plays slow. Him and Quickly are the reason that that second unit, and you add Rose in there, is so fun to watch because they pick up the pace. They push the tempo because of his athleticism. He cuts hard. He runs hard. He plays hard. He's averaging eight points this year. Four rebounds, one assist, 0.8 blocks, shooting 55%. Eight points in 15 minutes. Look at last season's stats. He's doubling his points, doubling his rebounds. The production is, is so much better in just a few more minutes on average. His player efficiency rating also went from 12.7 as a rookie to 20.3 as a sophomore. He keeps it up. He could be in the conversation for most improved. Sorry, we almost crashed again. I have to adjust my um, screen, like my screen saver. When you don't touch the screen for like five minutes, it automatically shuts off. Um, it's per 36 numbers, 19 points, nine rebounds, three assists, two blocks. So he's improved a lot of areas. It's just, it's the jump shot, the defense, and you know, kind of getting, getting him to create his own shot that needs work. I can, I can see the defensive potential though. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, he positions himself well, like I said. Um, we've seen flashes where he's pretty quick on his rotations. And he's got the length to recover quick enough on the perimeter. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I, I think that can develop to be at least average. He's never going to be an all-world defender. But like Randall, at least last season's Randall... He could be decent. The jump shot, we haven't seen any kind of improvement yet there. But that's as simple as, you know, continuing to hit the gym. Um, we saw the mid-range elbow jumper last night. Um, you know, lately, he's been hitting a few more threes. So we'll see. Alec Burks. Alec Burks had 12 points. He shot 4 for 10. 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. Played 26 minutes. Yeah, I mean, in Derrick Rose's absence, he did a nice job filling in the on-ball responsibilities. Creating points for himself and others. You know, there's still obviously a lot of 50-50 opinion here on if Burks should be on-ball as often as he does. I think what he does now is perfect. You know, his role is, is pretty good right now. But I understand the questioning. If he does, at some point, step into the starting lineup. He also did pretty well defensively last night. Challenging shooters, going for rebounds, being very aggressive. few times where uh, Westbrook beat him to the cup but other than that you know, that's going to happen with Westbrook other than that he, he looked pretty good both ways we saw some Grimes we saw Grimes play about five minutes too didn't do much uh, played some hard defense on, on Westbrook knocked him around but you know, I, I liked what I saw 
Um, so yeah, I mean, in, in this one, you know, the rotations by Thibodeau, still pretty similar. Um, late second and deep third quarter, I just thought we kept the starters in way too long. And that kind of propelled that Laker run. Now, the starters did show their upside in that first quarter. So, you know, and, and Tibbs did give the bench that late run again. So I guess I'll let it slide for for this one. You know, but it, it still just concerns me a little bit. You know, we see Julius Randle never being held accountable or, you know, whenever he gets out of control. And he was again last night for parts of the second half. He didn't look great. And the second quarter. I was kind of dreading him checking back in in the fourth quarter when there were like a few minutes left. I saw him at the scorer's table and I'm like, no, can you just keep topping him? We, we seem like we have this under control from here. Um, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's a positive sign that, that at least Thibodeau is trusting guys like Emmanuel quickly, a youngster late in the game. He's consistently in these closing lineups. So that's good. Um, and I'm not expecting this rotation thing to be something that we're ever going to be satisfied by. Because Thibodeau is stubborn as, as ever. We know this. Alfred Payton, we know this. Um, as for the starting lineup, like I said, they, they, they had some good moments. Uh, they were minus four combined. Four out of the five Knicks in the starting lineup were minus. Obviously, they had a hot start but also some very rough moments where the ball slowed down in the second half. I just, they just don't have it, man. You know? Still, I, I do want to give him a little bit more time. Um, well, I, I can understand if Thibodeau gives them more time, but he's probably just going to keep riding with him and that, that's going to kill me. You know, maybe we, like, like I, I listen, like I said, I give it until the quarter mark of the year, which is just a couple of more games for these starters. Because maybe, you know, if they keep doing what they did in, in this first quarter, but they just it, it just becomes as simple as hitting their shots now, then we're good. But they don't always move the ball. They don't always move off the ball. Right? They don't always play hard running back on the other end. So it's something I'm just going to have to see a lot more consistently. You know, Kemba doesn't even play enough. I mean, play well enough to where he can earn fourth quarter minutes. I mean, it, Randall, Randall doesn't click with Kemba. You know, Randall's on the ball so much, RJ is just left spotting up in the corner still. And now he's not hitting those shots. Barrett at 12 points last night. Four for eight. Three for five from three. Seven boards, 27 minutes played. But once again, he goes where the offense does. The offense began to stagnate. You know, late second quarter, majority of the second half, and so when that happened, when the offense you know started slowing down a bit and stagnating, RJ struggled to score because of his lack of a bag. Right? Like I said, he doesn't have the athleticism to kill you and beat you at the rim. He's not a great finisher. Doesn't have the handles, and his jump shot is just not reliable. So he doesn't have the bag to where if he's not getting those spot-up opportunities, he's going to continue to score. No. That's why, like I said, he needs to run with the second team more, man. Because he'll have more of those on-ball opportunities to see what he's got. And he'll be able to run those you know, those offensive sets. Um, but I will say, you know, as inconsistent as he is, Offensively, he does make good secondary production more times than not. Outside of scoring, you're going to see RJ Barrett rebounding. You're going to see him try defensively, um, although that's inconsistent itself. And, you know, passing. Although he can have some tunnel vision, he'll still give you decent playmaking. He had three assists in this one. I, I, I just, I, you know, I'm tired of the babying, is really what I'm tired of. Tired of the pampering, the coddling of Barrett, the excuses. 
Listen, the numbers on the year are very similar to his underwhelming rookie season numbers. You look at the points, the, the percentages across the board, and, and don't give me that he's playing a lesser role. That's not the reason, because I looked up the numbers. Okay, He's just 19% field goals on his pull-up jumpers. He's just 32% on catch and shoot, which is obviously the most efficient jumper. 57% at the rim, which is nothing. 31, I'm sorry, 3.1 free throw attempts. And he's, here's the thing. He's getting 13.8 shots a game off, which is only 0.9 less than last season. And his usage rate is 23%, which is the same exact as it was last year and the year before. It's actually 1% up from last season. So technically he's getting the same, you know, Listen, there. Like I said, playing him with the second unit more, I do agree that will, that could get more out of him. But I still feel like if you're that good, right? If you're good enough, you can do a lot better in the scenario. You can still do a lot. Like he's still getting a lot of opportunities, and just not capitalizing. He still needs to do better, and he's not doing as good as he should, or at least as good as Knicks fans think he is. 285, I talked about that too. How I, I just don't think he's going to be this special talent that Knicks fans think he is. I think he's going to be a decent, good, solid NBA player. You know, I never at any point thought he was a superstar, but I did for a few years there. His first two years, really, last year I was saying it too, that thought he could be a borderline perennial all-star. I don't know now. I mean, now I'm starting to think... He's just a guy who could score you 16 to 18 a game. But maybe I'm wrong. A 3 and D wing. A decent NBA role player. Tertiary option. Is that how you say it? <laughs> I think I butchered that. Um, yep. The Nets won. Um, I gotta check on the uh, parlays there I had. Yeah. That's my take on RJ Barrett. We'll be right back. We'll talk about more of the starters when we get back. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcast. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is bd 4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right. Um, hold on. Here we go. Yeah. Listen. It was a good game for Fournier, so that's a positive again. Right? Hopefully we get it more. He had 26 points. He shot 8 for 14 from the field, 6 for 9 from 3. Perfect in 4 trips to the line, and he was the only starter positive with a plus 2. I liked how aggressive he was last night. Um, like RJ, he was beneficiary to the Knicks' early ball movement. Um, yeah, did a nice job getting open all night long. Always been a good movement shooter. Um, even when he was sort of shied away from, especially in that second quarter when he was hot for some reason, he was still doing a nice job getting open. And he did. He hit some important three-pointers in the third to kind of stop the bleeding when the Lakers were on their run. Also converted off the dribble a little bit, made some nice passes. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Uh, Let's see, he has 19 points against Houston. Then he got, you know, he had another clunker 
then he's get he got he he uh, scored twenty six against the Lakers last night. So two out of his last three, he's looking like the guy we signed. Hopefully, he's getting his confidence back. Um. Now I saw last night. I was also I was listening to another show. But I did see this happening, and I took note of it. And um, on the show, they were talking about it. How we saw this one play in the second half. It may have been in the third quarter. I don't remember. Where Fournier and Julius Randle were kind of tied up in, the, in, I think it was the left corner. They were just kind of, there was no room. Fournier has the ball. Randle it looked like Randall was asking for it. Fournier refuses, and he does his own thing, and he drives to the hoop. Now, he didn't convert, but I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe players are finally speaking up, and, and you know, this is something for, from Fournier that says he's got his confidence back, that he's, that he's taken it upon himself to say, no, let me do my thing, I got this. And I would love to see that more from other guys. You know, because there was that report a few days ago that Knicks players were frustrated with the way Thibodeau's offense was and that they didn't love that it was so Randall-centric. And Fournier was one of the players reported to have been frustrated. So maybe it's you know, maybe you can use that as a good thing. Um, I'll tell you what's not a good thing, Kemba Walker. <laughs> I mean, he had five assists. <laughs> but six points... Four rebounds, five assists. Six points for Kemba Walker last night. He was great early, I guess. I don't know. Just not much, man. It's it's so unfortunate. But, I mean, again, he got them into the flow of the game early on. Um, but he's just not aggressive enough to be, a, to be the initiator. He doesn't penetrate enough. He just settles for the mid-range and the three ball. And he can't score enough to, like I said, to mitigate those defensive deficiencies that he brings. And so that's pretty much the story with Kemba. It's, it's, we got him for $8 million. I get it, the politics are going to look weird. It's going to be a bad thing for your reputation, for, for the Knicks' reputation, if he, reputation, if he gets sent to the bench. But he, he's only making $8 million, so it's not, you know, I mean, if you put the ego aside, put the politics aside... Just give it a try with quickly at the point. Give it a try. I'll take Derrick Rose at point. I'll take that. I would like quickly. Go young. But just I, I don't think I can deal with this Campbell Walker at point guard all the time. The starting point guard, it's crazy, man. We thought we were getting such a big upgrade from Peyton. At such a discount. And I guess this is one of those things where you get what you pay for, right? Uh, Randall. 20 points for him. 16 rebounds. 5 assists. Um, I think he shot 7 for 21 from the field. I'm sorry, 7 for 17 from the field. 1 for 5 from 3. He was great early. Had the inside-out approach. Use his gravity to draw on those doubles and kick it out to open shooters, open attackers. I counted at least twice where he dimed up Fournier in this one whenever the Lakers sent a double team. But, you know, once the Lakers went zone, Randall kind of stopped mixing it up and he started settling for jumpers, poor spacing because of that for the Knicks. At Golden State, Philadelphia in the second game of this uh, Wednesday night basketball. So, you know, an up and down game for him. At least he locked in on, on AD defensively. You know, his focus was there. Two getting a little chippy, too. They were chirping at each other. A little physical, pushing each other. Carmelo put, you know, gave a little shove to Randall, too. Julius gets that technical from the bench. But all in all, again, up and down for Julius last night. A little more good than bad. Not much more, though. 
and his weird season weird season I think it's the best way to put it for Randall his weird season continues I just think we need a point guard man it's crazy what I'm saying we need a point guard to play starting point guard for now see what you got in quickly because I'm just tired of seeing Randall take it up court like I said I can live with it because Kemba's not doing that job well enough but here's the thing that scares me if quickly is inserted into that point guard role to start which again I don't think that's going to happen but say in a fantasy world it does does Randall let him take it up court? Does Randall let him start playing the point guard role? Or does Randall, is he still going to try and be the point forward? Right? I feel like if somebody like Derrick Rose was inserted into that role, the veteran, you know, been around the game, well-respected, I feel like he'd, I feel like he, Randall would, would let him play point guard. But somebody like IQ, I feel like Randall would take the, uh, seniority role it's interesting it really is it kind of goes back to what I was saying in 285 how Randall has got to be the system in order for it to work for him and not just the piece of it I, I still think he could be really efficient and it doesn't always have to have he doesn't have to I still believe that he doesn't have to have the ball all the time to be efficient like, we saw him him and Kemba lately on these pick-and-rolls they were working with, right? These give-and-goes, and we saw Randall cutting to the rim and throwing down some nice finishes. As a roll man, as a roller. It's there. I think we should experiment with it more. With it more. I really do. So it would be nice to have a point guard at point guard. Somebody who actually plays that role and does it well. Because Kemba Walker ain't it. Quickly's been great for us. Rose has hit a little bit of a rough patch lately, but he's been so steady as a Nick. Something. Something. But I, I think we should make a change at point guard. Especially if Fournier keeps it up. I think it, it becomes more clear that the point guard position is something we might have to tweak. But I don't know. Again, this is Thibodeau. We went until game one of the playoffs to make a change at point last year. And that was Alfred Payton. There are no politics there involved. Nick shot 45% from the field. 44% from three. 81% from the free throw line. To score their 106 points. They also had 23 assists. On their 37 makes. That's a 61% rate. And had 17 turnovers. Um, good thing six Knicks were in double figures. So that was nice to see. They were plus two on the boards. But they did lose the offensive rebounding battle by a lot. 13-7. to seven, <laughs> Which continues to be an issue. And uh, I'm looking at it. I'm watching it. Nerland's Noel. Same problem from last year. Continues to get bullied by these bigger centers. In this one it's Anthony Davis. It's it's Dwight Howard. It's DeAndre Jordan. Mitch's presence was missed last night for sure. Uh, but, you know, Noel is battling that knee issue, so we'll give him that. Uh, but he didn't really do much last night. 39 minutes, 4 points on 7 shots, 7 rebounds. The Lakers, across the board, they go 37% from the field, 31% threes, 70% foul shots. 100 points. AD, a mediocre 20 points and 6 boards. Also on the show I was listening to, they were kind of saying something I agreed with too. AD seems just, it seems like his numbers never really impact. It seems like he's like he's just soft. He's never really been as great as I, I, I thought the hype was on him. I don't know. Something about AD, I feel like he could be a lot better. He doesn't scare me. And that's what they were saying on this show. Westbrook. Um, now, speaking of like fa fake numbers, I often criticize Westbrook for this, but last night, he actually had an efficient triple-double, and his numbers were, were very effective. He had a positive impact on this game. I'll give him that. 
Uh, he goes for 31, 13, and 10 on 56% from the field, 50% from three, um, and 89% on his free throws. He did have six turnovers. Five of them came in the first half. But um, he, had, he had a very positive game for the Lakers last night. He was actually the only one to really show up. Um, him and A.B. Bradley <laughs> killed us on both ends. Bradley did. During that run, especially. Mello went 3 for 14 for 12 points in his return to the Garden. Malik Monk, good first half with 12 points. Was it him who had like a Tracy McGrady moment? <laughs> Scoring in bunches. Uh, he was held scoreless in the second half. Uh, zero points for Horton Tucker in 29 minutes last night. Um, my takeaway was, was pretty much Reggie Miller's takeaway on this Lakers team. They suck. <laughs> They're really bad, man. They're a really bad team. Even with LeBron, I just don't see them going far at all in the West. So, it was a good game. Um, it was a good game. We're going to head to break. Uh, and we'll wrap it up. A few more things to say when we get back. Stay with us. Hey guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC799 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomber Bocker blog. And there you have it. So, you know, the Nick offenses obviously have their ups and downs and um, still not where I want it to be. And we're just going to have to let that play out. You know, whatever adjustment adjustments Thibodeau makes or does not make will happen. So we'll see with that. You know, if Barrett decides to come around, that'd be great. Um, if Randall starts to play more consistently, be efficient more consistently, that'd be wonderful. Because I'm really not satisfied with his performance this season. I'm really not. I know the numbers are there. 
I know he's the best statistically, the best player on the Knicks, but it's not the same as it was last season. And I'm not asking him to put up the numbers he did as efficient as he did, but it, it the, the play on the court, numbers aside, is a big drop-off. But all that aside, the offense, hopefully it works itself out. If you want a positive indicator, um, the defense for the Knicks has actually started to pick it up. Now, it's not what it was last year still, but I was also looking at the numbers, picking it apart a little bit, digging in. And I do like what I've been seeing. Um, watching these games, you could tell it's been a little bit more intense. And on, this, uh, on the paper, it says it. So, November 12th. Here's the last six games, okay? First, let me list it, and then we'll talk about it as a whole. November 12th against the Hornets, 104 points allowed, 28% from three. The 15th against the Pacers, 84 points allowed, 22% from three. The 17th against the Magic, 104 points allowed, 29% threes. The 20th versus the Rockets, 99 points allowed, 26% threes. The 24th against Chicago, 109 points allowed, 38% threes. So a minor hiccup that game. And then most recently, yesterday, against the Lakers, 100 points allowed, 31% threes. So the last six games, that is, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. The last six games, the Knicks are averaging... 100 points per game allowed on 28% threes and 41% field goals, which is first during that span. It's picked up. Something I'm starting to think about is, does this all have to do with Kemba Walker getting less minutes? Kemba had 725-plus minute efforts to start out the season. But in the Knicks' last six games, in their last six games, he has just one of those games where he played at least 25 minutes. So I, I, I do think there's, you know, it has something to do with that. And if you play him less, you put him on the bench, have him play in spurts, I think it could really benefit this team. And maybe Walker, too. You know, maybe it's going to be one of those Carmelo Anthony type of things where, hey, you're not the same after your injury. It's going to hurt at first. It's going to sting, right, Carmelo? And that whole, remember, what was it, with the Thunder? He was laughing at the idea that he should come off the bench. But now he's coming off the bench, and he's doing a really good job in that niche. Maybe it's kind of similar with Kemba. Where it benefits both him and the team he's on. So that's that, guys. That's really it. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, that was that was uh, episode 286 of the podcast of BD4. Let's head to the NYYNYK question of the day for this episode, and we'll wrap it up from there. All right? So, last time out, I asked you guys, one second here, alright, kind of froze, but you can see it, last time out I asked you guys, was it a question about Bill Bradley? Here we go, pulling it up right now. In episode 285, I asked you guys, Bill Bradley played his entire NBA career with the New York Knicks. In which year did he make the All-Star team? And the answer to that question, that was in 1972-1973. That season. That was the season, the 72-73 season, where Bradley made the All-Star team. Tonight's episode 286, as you can see on the screen if you're watching the podcast... Or if you're listening to it, it's in the description. True or false? In Tracy McGrady's Nick debut, he scored 26 points, his most of the 2009-10 season. 
in Tracy McGrady's Nick debut. He scored 29 points, the most of it, of the season for him. I'm sorry, 26 points. 26 points in his Nick debut, true or false. Tracy McGrady scored 26 in his Nick debut. All right, so let me know the answer to that question on Facebook, Instagram, in my DMs, or in the comments section once I publish this podcast on there. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Hope everybody has a wonderful, blessed, happy Thanksgiving. And I'll see you next time. Ciao. This episode was brought to you by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. It's podcasting made easy. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to begin your own podcast.